0: Welcome to another brand new episode of Take a Shelfie, the podcast about beer and bottle shops and friendship. Uh, my name is Jeff Martin, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Matt Prince.
1: Matt, how are you? I'm doing pretty darn good, Jeff. Uh, I'm drinking a beer you made, so I'm doing great, actually. Oh, drink. Drink, yes. listeners. Yeah, this has can't. got to
0: set a record for how soon into the podcast we mention my homebrewing.
1: Yes, it is delicious. It's delicious. What- which is that? This is the triple, the Belgian triple.
0: Oh, Simone! Yes, yeah. That's, that t- that took me a while to get the recipe down, but I'm I'm pretty pretty happy with it. And that thing I made back in maybe October, and we're sitting here. It's it's Memorial Day weekend when we're recording this, so that has had some nice time to sit and mellow.
1: It drinks very well. It's it is mellow, but it still it still kicks your uh your rear a little bit, and it's spicy and. It hits all those notes you want from a Belgian triple. and
0: It's a Belgian. It should kick your rear a little bit. Right.
1: Well, well, Jeff, bravo, because this is a delicious beer that if I got this at any brewery, I'd be more than happy. Uh, so, you know. One day. Job. Yeah, one day, right? One
0: day. Uh, I am drinking, uh, you know, I don't know what the case will be when this episode comes out, but uh, on Memorial Day weekend, Pennsylvania, especially the um, southeastern corner of Pennsylvania is still in the red phase of pandemic shutdown. Um, So going to a beer store is not really on the menu, uh, though I did do curbside pickup yesterday to get some stuff for the weekend. But I'm drinking a delivered beer from Attic Brewing Company in Germantown. Uh, This is Forward Descent, a hazy IPA. How was it? It's very good. They opened maybe a month, maybe less, before all these... um, Restrictions went into place, and I was alerted to their existence by uh, a friend of ours, and he lives in the area. and He mentioned that they were doing Wednesday deliveries to my area, and so that was late Tuesday night. I put in my order, and you know, Wednesday around two thirty, I had twelve beers from them. That's awesome. Yeah, it was great.
1: Bravo Attic Brewing, and I, I look forward mm-hmm. to trying them myself.
0: Oh yeah, I think they will climb the list of um, local breweries that you and I hang out at.
1: Oh, well, I, I dig that.
0: Pretty quickly. Speaking of list, Matt, you wanted to focus this around uh, a certain kind of beer list.
1: Yeah, you know, I feel like with so many new beers nowadays and so many breweries churning out fresh stuff each week, a lot of breweries and beers uh, get kind of forgotten forgotten or, you know, maybe you never liked them or you, they might be underappreciated. They might be underrated. Um, to me, it's important to point out those beers and those breweries because, you know, one of the things we have to do now uh, in, to keep us interested and to keep us going is, you know, we we drink beers. And, um, you know, maybe now while you're sitting around wondering what you should be drinking this week, you know, you have a lot of time to think maybe go back to some of those breweries and beers that maybe you haven't had for a while and uh, just remember how good they are.
0: And we've spent a lot of time talking uh, about, on the podcast, about some of the you know, revered beers and the popular beers, beers everyone's talking about all the time. Um, So I like this idea. I I like this idea of sort of revisiting beers we might not have thought about in a while. Um, So how do you want to approach this, Matt?
1: Well, I figure we could start with, um, you know, our what we believe to be underrated, uh, breweries and beers. And then we can nicely transition into the underappreciated breweries and beers. And maybe we'll talk about a couple extras at the end that, uh, kind of fit this, uh, these descriptors. So, I mean, I would be more than happy to start with my underrated brewery. And, uh, that brewery is Fatheads in uh, Ohio. Um, you know, being perfectly honest, when I started getting into craft beer, uh, Fatheads was one of the first breweries that kind of just piqued my interest. I mean, this was probably like a year to two into my craft beer journey, if you want to call it that. I started drinking a couple beers: um, Headhunter IPA and Sunshine Daydream, which is a session IPA. Both beers were wonderful. I mean, these were slightly floral, slight you know, a little bitter. Had some juiciness to them, not the juiciness that we know today from the hazy IPAs, but just like a nice tropical presence. And they were always just go-tos. You know, they were always consistent. And when you get a fresh can of Headhunter or a fresh can of Sunshine Daydream, it was so good. I mean, you could tell how fresh they were. And they make a whole uh, arsenal of beers, you know, a whole catalog of different styles that I've had and enjoyed. I've, I've had stouts from them. I've had pilsners from them. I've had their Oktoberfest, and I'm never disappointed. But then when you open untapped, the ratings are not great. I mean, Headhunter, which I think is like an optimal um, take on the just a solid IPA. You know, it's not hazy. It's not specifically East Coast or West Coast, but it just hits all the notes. It's a 3.97, which some people might think, oh, you know, that's that's really good. It's almost a 4. To me, though... Anything below 4, I'm usually not necessarily gonna go out of my way to get it. Not necessarily. I want to really put that disclaimer out there. I just feel like it's better than that. And like Sunshine Daydream is a 3.72. I think Sun Sunshine Daydream is one of the best session IPAs. I think people just kind of like scoff at session IPAs cuz they're like, "Ah, oh, they're they're low alcohol or, you know, whatever." But there's definitely a place for that style of beer.
0: So the brewery as a whole here, I I pulled up the old untapped, is a 3.86. So you're saying that they should probably be in in the fours on on average based on the quality across the spectrum of beers you've had
1: from them. Yeah, you know, Jeff, I'm a teacher. So when I rate my beers, I rate them as if I'm grading them. So a four is a B minus. It's an 80% out of five. A 3.5 would be a C minus So on and so forth. A 3.75 is a solid C. So when I see a 3.86, I think C plus, and I think this—they don't make C plus beer. They make you know at least solid B beer, if not better. So to me, that this is a brewery that is underrated. I think people just kind of scoff them a lot of the times because a lot of their beers still come in bottles. They can. But they're also pumping out a lot of bottles. Their IPAs are not hazy. They haven't really conformed. They're still pumping out Headhunter and Sunshine Daydream as their two um, main focus beers. You know, and they and they also make this uh, blueberry honey, uh, bumbleberry honey blueberry ale. That's another one of their popular beers. But it's not like the fruited sour beers this is just a fruit beer a lot of people love the beer but it's only 3.68 so i think that they are underrated i think that they um i appreciate the fact that they stick to what they are good at and they stick to their identity and don't try to be someone they're not
0: The one of the beers that they put out that i think is maybe um accurately rated uh among people that we talk to but i don't see that reflected here on Untapped is Hop Juju. Oh yeah, um, Hop Juju. Now it has a four point two five on Untapped, but grading on your teacher scale, you know that's a high B. A, that's a, a an eighty five.
1: It's, it's an eighty five percent.
0: Yeah. So I mean, Hop Juju is a, a terrific beer. You know that deserves a a ninety percent. That deserves an an right. A level grade.
1: Well, but Jeff, once again, look at the IBUs, hundred. The beers that most people are enjoying nowadays, you know, you want your low IBU. You want it to look, you know, opaque. You want the murkiness. That's what people are looking for. So when they pour beer that's clear or where they see it's on the on, on tap, that it's clear. I think a lot of people are turned away by that. I don't think that's like a, like, I don't think I'm really making some like grand big statement here. I don't think this is a hot take. I think that people see a clear beer and run for the hills. And they shouldn't, but they do so I think that Hop Juju, while rated well, I just don't think people brag about it or, you know, it's not like, oh, I scored Hop Juju today. People are like, well, it's (laughs) see-through. Like, so? And it's a shame.
0: Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, That's a a great pick. My pick for this category is um, Evolution Mm. out of Maryland. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I'm, I'm, you know, that's sort of one that's been, it's another one that's been around a long time. Uh, they also, at least the last I checked, tend to put out a lot of bottles. Yep. Uh, and then t- they tend to put out a lot of bitter IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, lot 3 IPA is just a terrific beer. Uh, lot 6 double IPA is even better. Uh, they also do a summer session ale that I seem to have checked in at one point, And it's got a 3.29 average mm. on yeah. Untapped. <laughs> And there's like, that's, I rated it a 3.75, almost almost a four. And I remember it being a pretty good beer, but the brewery as a whole is a 3.67. And I don't approach it from the teacher scale like you do. I approach it sort of like from the movie critic scale. But the thing about Untapped is I feel like if you're not going to rate something at least a three and a half. You're probably not going to rate it or that, you know, that seems to be what I see. So a 3.67 means that a lot of people who are choosing to rate evolution's beers are rating them 3.5s or perhaps even lower. And I just don't think that's the case. When you look at instead uh, their neighbor, Burley Oak. Now, obviously they make a different kind of beer, But they are a 4.05 average with 443,000 ratings. Uh, And I just don't know that the disparity between those two breweries is that vast.
1: Well, I mean, I think, Jeff, you're kind of speaking to the point that I was making that, you know, Barley Oak makes – what is Barley Oak known for? They're hazy IPAs, but mostly that Fruited Sour Dream Series. Um, You know, people wait in line for hours upon hours for those beers. You're not going to see a line ever at Evolution. You're just not going to see it. It's not a brewery that calls for that. But, um, you know, so you're talking about two different approaches to beer. But I think that the one approach, which is Burley Oaks, is kind of the approach that most people look for now. And if you don't go to that approach, they're kind of, you know, kicked to the curb.
0: And this sort of goes also back to what we talked about a couple episodes ago, where when you wait in a line, does it sort of force you to rank it higher um, because you feel bad about having waited in line? You don't want to feel dumb for having waited
1: in line. I think people are, you know, on the flip side, I think people are afraid to lose their so-called credibility if they rank a beer from like evolution high. They'll be seen as like not real craft beer fans like oh you're like a dad you're like someone who doesn't know craft beer you you know you're rating this kind of mediocre beer so high but really they're not mediocre they're just not the trendy style that doesn't make them mediocre that just makes them different they it just makes them what craft beer was built on you know no big deal
0: yeah just it just makes them good solid foundational craft beers and yeah that, that's not a bad thing, obviously, because we both enjoy them. So then let's talk about beer ratings then, because once you have something in your hand and, and you rate it, you know, is there something that you've decided to rate highly that then you go on and you see other people are not rating it quite as highly? What would you consider for you to be an underrated beer? Forget brewery, but individual
1: beer. The beer that I'm going to talk about, I think, has a lot to do with the style that it is. Um, this style... Usually gets um, underrated on the whole. I mean, you look at the the versions of this style that have won Great American Beer Fest gold and they're rated low. But I'm going to go with the Pilsner. You're not going to get an argument from I me, mean, Matt. Jeff, Jeff we, we love Pilsners. We're just going to shout it. We, we love Pilsners. I love Pilsners. Jeff loves Pilsners. We, we go out of our way for Pilsners. We love them. Um, but one that's local to us but is sold all around is Prima Pils from Victory. Talk about an underrated beer. I've checked it in three times on Untapped, and I've given it an, an average of 3.75. Now, I think I'm even rating it a little low. I think that I've enjoyed it more than a 3.75. I think the times that I've checked it in, maybe I was rating things differently at the time. But everyone, globally, it's a 3.45. Now, when you see blind taste tests of Pilsners or lists of the best Pilsners, Prima is always on there. It's one of the few that is always on there. I mean, when you're talking about like the great modern pilsners, you know, of course, you're going to look at Suarez. You're going to look at Palatine Pilsner and Qualify Pilsner. You know, when you look at other pilsners like Prima, you know, you're going to look at Pony Pils from Half Acre. They're another one that's been around a long time. But Prima is the like that the perfect example of a European pilsner. You know, they're using German and Czech noble hops, and they keep it simple. They use a German malt bill. Um, it really, I think it's the gold standard of Pilsners. I think it is absolutely the Pilsner that every other Pilsner should strive to be. You know, maybe other Pilsners end up better than Primo, but I think that this is the one you kind of look at and say, if we can achieve that, we've done something, and people just don't appreciate it but it is such a good beer it's refreshing it, it is everything you want a pilsner to be and then some and how can you rate that low how can you rate that low but i think once again it's just not a trendy style it's not a trendy brewery it's usually in a bottle you know you can kind of connect the dots from there i've checked prima pils in
0: seven times and i my average rating is a 4 In fact, my rating every time I've drank it is a four. Uh, But here's the thing. I haven't checked it in in four years, and I know I've drank it since then. And so it sort of has left my mind as something that I need to register when I drink it and say, oh, this is good because I just know it's good now. And I don't I don't bother talking about it. So I, I completely understand why it would be underrated. And mine is similar. It's a style that I think is underrated. It's a beer that I think is omnipresent enough that, you know, you've had it so many times that you don't even think to check it in, or you've had things that are newer than it, and it's a little more exciting. Uh, And so my underrated beer is Rogue American Amber Ale. Ooh. I think the Amber Ale is an underrated style. It's not done very often. Uh, I can't think of a ton of Amber Ales off the top of my head. I can think of an Amber Lager off the top of my head, which is Yingling, which, you know, is sort of the de facto beer here in Pennsylvania. But yeah. Rogue American Amber is way better than that. Oh, well, absolutely. Um, Rogue does terrific work. They, they're, they you know, they're all the way out there in Oregon, but, you know, they've been distributing to this area forever. So American Amber is terrific. Rogue also makes a Hazelnut Brown that is insanely good. I I don't want to jump ahead to um, honorable mentions that we're going to do later, but I'm sneaking that one in there because it's not in our honorable mentions. Rogue
1: American Amber Ale is a terrific beer. Well, Jeff, I think that Rogue kind of falls victim to uh, the trend game, just like one of their neighbors does. They shoot out in Oregon. You know, you have breweries like uh, Great Notion in Portland, Oregon, who, you know, is one of the trendiest breweries there in existence. And that kind of brewery overshadows breweries like Rogue, and they shoot, even though Rogue and Deschutes are the ones that kind of carried the craft beer scene for so long. I mean, they were they were what craft beer was built on, but now people just kind of have left them in the dust, which is really a shame. Let's get on to the underappreciated breweries and beers. You know, those that might be rated where they should be, but maybe when you're in the bottle shop, you don't necessarily go for them. Um What brewery in your mind is just underappreciated?
0: You might yell at me for saying this because I say it all the time. I've probably said it on the podcast several times. The most underappreciated brewery, certainly in Pennsylvania, perhaps the country, maybe the world, (laughs) very very possibly the solar system, is Trogues. Cheers to
1: that. Yes. Trogues,
0: Trogues out. Out in Hershey, PA. It's a 3.78. I know we're not talking ratings, but it's a 3.78 with over a million check ins on Untapped. They are just w- so creative. They do the traditional styles, they do the experimental. They've done the fruited sour. They've done, um, you know, they've done the ageable beer with Mad Elf. Um, they do terrific dark beers. They do really great German style beers, which makes sense because they're in the middle of Pennsylvania. You know, they're there. You've mentioned Pilsners. Sunshine Pils is an amazing beer. They have a hop cycle where they do, you know, seasonally appropriate hops. You know, once they do once a year beers that are only available at certain times, they're just super creative. They put out a ton of product. And I, ca- I can't tell you the last time I've had a beer from Trogues and said, nah.
1: Yeah, yeah, seriously. You know, Jeff, it's funny you bring that up because for people who've never been to Trogues or people, you know, people not from Pennsylvania or from different parts of the country, you go there and the first thing you notice is the big splinter cell fooder tank that they have. They started doing so many beers out of those fooder tanks and they have um, a lot of bottle conditioned beers. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of like Freaky Peach, which is, you know, it's a great beer. I'm holding a bottle in my hand that I've had for a while. It's a Pennsylvania sour ale that's fermented with peaches and apricots. You know, you were talking about Mad Elf, but they do their Wild Elf. They do Master of Pumpkin, which which is a great pumpkin ale where a lot of pumpkin ale has kind of fallen off. This is bottle-conditioned, barrel-aged pumpkin ale. You were talking about their Hop Cycle. They do IPAs that are a nod to the hop farmers and the workers in the field i mean it is the ultimate culinary beer experience and uh, i'm right there with you with trogues. i definitely think they're underappreciated
0: let's step away from trogues. we've given them the shine they deserve uh and uh, you know listeners i'll try a, over the next maybe four episodes to make a note don't talk about trogues. uh you know we'll expand what we talk about but matt Stepping away from Trogues, what is your underappreciated brewery?
1: You know, Jeff, I'm going to talk about a brewery that I think people are going to like kind of scoff when I say that they're underappreciated, but it's Maine Brewing. And here's why. Okay. So, Maine makes amazing beers. Everything they make is clean, it is delicious. It is, you know, it's hard to find faults in any of their beers, they're not flashy. I'm gonna just throw that out there, and if you've had Maine beers, you know they're not flashy. They're not trying to be flashy. They're trying to provide kind of like a hybrid East Coast West Coast IPA pale ale experience, while also putting out delicious stouts. They do. Um, they do some amb- I think they do an amber ale, which you know a lot of breweries are kind of afraid to do, but. I'm more looking at like their regular beers, like another one, which is an IPA, um, Post Ride Snack, which is an IPA, uh, Peeper, which is a pale ale, Mo, which is a pale ale. I know you love Peeper, Jeff. I know. I
0: Matt, Matt just saw on the on the video screen my my smile go wide and my head start to nod. Peeper is a is a special beer.
1: It, it is. It really is a special. And I'm glad you said that word special because, you know, a lot of times when we think of special beers, we're, you know, we're going to throw out names like Hetty Topper and we're going to throw out names like Julius from Treehouse. And we're going to throw out, you know, breweries like Other Half or, um, you know, something like Bissell Brothers. But we'll, we'll even, Matt, we'll even throw out names like lunch itself yeah, yeah. And, and lunch is is a fantastic beer like we've talked about our favorite beers Jeff and I've talked about my favorite beers and, and lunch might be my favorite beer I mean every time I have it it's clean it's citrusy it's a little floral it does burst with some really nice tropical fruit but not in the way that your hazy IPA does and you know what it is see-through Jeff it is a th- see-through beer and Jeff it's not canned. It's not candy. It comes in a bottle, and you can usually find it around here. We, you know, we're in the Philadelphia area. You can usually get it any day you want. You can find lunch on a shelf, and you know it sits there. And I always look at it, and I'm like, "How is this not sold out already?" And we've been lucky enough to go to some pours of uh, dinner, which is their like a, uh, you know, double version of lunch, and it it is uh, to me that is one of the most magnificent beers. Ever. Ever. And we've we've had it, we drank it, we're like, ah, oh, lunch is you know just as good, or maybe lunch is better. But then you ha- we we've had it again and we're like, wait a minute. Dinner is just fantastic. And now they make a second dinner. And I was actually I had a little um back and forth with with Maine on Instagram recently where they explained to me why they don't distribute dinner. And I felt the need to kind of share this. They said that's the one beer they make that they do not bottle condition. And I respected that so much. The explanation that he gave, or she, whoever was running their Instagram, um, they bottle condition the rest of their beers, not dinner. And they do that because of the delicate nature of the hops they use, they want it as fresh and untampered with as possible. So you will never see a bottle of dinner leave that brewery unless someone's buying it. They won't distribute it. They'll distribute kegs of it because it's not the same delivery process. But they, they, they've they said that they've really taken their time with decisions like this, and dinner is just going to be a Maine brewery-only thing.
0: Now, Matt, if you had tried to sell me on Maine being underrated, I'd probably uh, try to reach for the screen and shine you because I, I think Maine is appropriately rated. I think people rate lunch highly because it deserves it. I think people flock to pourings of dinner because it deserves it. But I think the fact that you've got something like Peeper, something like another one, something like Mo, these these are all terrific beers, and they don't get talked about as much as they should. Yeah. Um, lunch, lunch, sort of is the brand of Maine outside of Maine or outside of like the Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont. Maybe get it as low as um, Massachusetts area, but you know, lunch is the known quantity from Maine and I think people don't talk about the rest of Maine's lineup as much as they should, so I'll let you get by on it being an underappreciated brewery um, and all I really want to do right now is, is turn off this taping and call my local bottle shop and get some bottles of lunch because I really need it.
1: Do you have like a specific beer that you feel is just really underappreciated? Ooh
0: That's a tough one um a specific beer that, yes, okay, I do. An underappreciated beer for me is Great Lake's Dortmunder gold lager. Ooh Great Lake, hold on, let me pull up the untapped because I don't want to be caught uh, talking about something that all of a sudden I realize everyone checks in all the time and is it's highly highly regarded. So, hold on. Dort, Gold? Okay. It is a 3.56, uh, you know, average over 93,000 check-ins. I think it deserves better than that. I've checked it. It's maybe even underappreciated by me. Much like Prima Pills. I haven't checked this in since 2016, but I know I've had it since then. And I rank this as a 4.25 across my tasting. in that. I just... The first time I drank it in October 2015, I remarked one of the best lagers I've had.
1: And I think that probably still holds up. Yeah, you know, Jeff, it's a shame. That's a that's a style. And, and you know, you don't get it in the name, but that's a Munich style lager. It's a Helles, um lager that doesn't get a lot of play. That's why I love that Tired Hands makes one. You know, that's a, that's a trendy brewery that turns out a really nice version of that style. Part of me wonders, Matt, if they had
0: rebranded it as like Dortmunder Hellas, if it might get a little more shine because Hellas is, you know, gaining a little bit of popularity. But, you know, no one thinks of Dortmunder Gold as a Hellas. I didn't think of it until you told me that.
1: Yeah. And uh, it, it really is a fantastic beer. Uh, Jeff, just like you, I have another I have a beer that I also believe to be underappreciated. Uh and it really gets me every time that I look at this beer on Untapped, and I'm like, I know we're not, this isn't a rating thing, but I feel like in general, this beer just never gets the appreciation it deserves. And that is Allagash White. Now I'm going to own up to something because if I don't, my wife will kill me. She, that's, it's her favorite beer and she liked it long before I did. And I would always kind of pick on her for always ordering Alagash White. And then I shut up, I grabbed the bottle of Alagash White, and I enjoyed. And I just remember thinking, my God. My and she was my girlfriend at the time. My girlfriend just taught me something about beer. And, you know, I, I give it to her because Allagash White is the gold standard for you know a wit beer and not only that it is one of the cleanest most well executed beers in existence period do not argue with me on that because it is just a fantastic beer you can enjoy it anywhere and it's usually everywhere so you can literally enjoy it everywhere props to your wife because she does not care about beer no she
0: yells at us when we talk yeah the level that we're talking about beer. i think she's grateful that we have this podcast so that when you and i are sitting around at your house uh in our quarantine times we don't talk about beer as much as we used to because we have this outlet so proper so for teaching you something about beer
1: uh, yeah, seriously. And and now, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can enjoy it. 12-ounce bottle, 12-ounce can, 16-ounce can. They just released a 19.2-ounce can of Allagash White. It's the perfect anytime beer. You can have it with dinner because it pairs so nicely with food. You can have it while you're out walking the trails because it's so refreshing, and it's bright, and it's citrusy, and it hits all those notes. You know, it's meant to enjoy outdoors. We've talked about this beer on the uh, Can Art episode. We talked about how it – It elicits feelings of being outside and being in nature. Um, I just always see it on menus. And I feel like people just, you know, if they're following with their finger down a menu, trying to think of the beer they want, they just skip right over Allagash White. I always pause on Allagash White. And I think it's so good. But then I find something I haven't had yet. But then I always I always pause on that beer. And and maybe I'm underappreciating it, too. But like I pause, I literally pause every time. I think that part of the reason for that is that Allagash White has,
0: I don't want to call it an omnipresence because it's not everywhere. It's not at every bar, but it seems like it's at a lot of bars. And it also seems like Allagash White is the beer that a wheat (laughs) drinker drinks when they've graduated from Blue Moon. And so allagash White sort of seems like too safe a choice for you to think that it's that good. I'll have I'll give you a confession here, Matt. I've checked allagash White in only one time on untapped in 2015, and I gave it 3.25 and I oh. said refreshing, but far from the top tier of wheats. And I would like to go back to <laughs> that, Jeff, and say, what were you thinking? Because I've certainly had it. I will will have to get my hands on some Allagash White and drink it and rescore it because it is underappreciated. It is even, by me, underrated. Quickly before we go, Matt, and, and we're starting to run out of time, but I wanted to give us each an opportunity to give a shout out to one honorable mention. Maybe a beer that seems too obvious. Or, uh, you know, you just think people talk about it enough, but you, you know, you're just into the beer and you think people should talk about
1: it. So do you have an honorable mention? You know, I do. Um, this is a beer that has been ranked as the top beer in the United States on many lists, many a times, and it's Bell's Two-Hearted and it is just a fantastic beer it is not, you know you try to fit it into a certain IPA style and you really can't. It's just a great beer. And people loved it for so long. and I remember when it first came out in like 16 ounce pounder cans. and I remember thinking how great it was that this was happening. And I'll I'm a little ashamed that I haven't bought it in a long time, but it is a great beer. It remains a great beer. It, it goes against all trends and I think I need to go and revisit it. I just do. How about you, Jeff? My honorable mention beer
0: is 60 Minute IPA from Dogfish oh, Head. Oh, that's an interesting choice. And I know that a lot of people drink this beer. I know that Dogfish Head is a brewery um, gets a lot of love because they do a lot of weird things. Um, but 60 Minute IPA, you know, it's another one of those that's been around forever. It's available everywhere. And to me, it's just... It's a perfect beer. They have the 60, the 75, the 90 and the 120 minute IPA. The 60 I think is perfect. The 90 I think is a really really great double IPA. The 120 is kind of nutso <laughs> and, and you have to you have to have it at the right time. And the 75 is kind of right in the middle between those other two, but 60 minute for me is it's a perfect beer. And I know there's a lot of people who will say it's a bitter bomb. But, you know, it's a beer with a great story. If you ever go on the Dogfish Head tour, it's got a great story about using a, a vibrating football table like the, the home football game oh, yeah. to, to do the hopping. It's, it's a great beer and it, you know, it deserves a chance. So I think, Matt, over the course of these, you know, 25, 30 minutes, we have now come up with a great list of beer that I need to bring over your house and uh, stand six to 10 feet away from you uh, <laughs> and and we'll enjoy it together. Um, hopefully by the time this podcast is released, that requirement is no longer a thing and we can gather in smaller groups and you and I can get back together and record who knows what's going to happen. But in the meantime, all you people out there visit us on shelfypodcast.com. Tell us what your, Underrated, underappreciated breweries, beers, honorable mentions. What are the things, you know, you think aren't getting the shine they deserve. Um, and also in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy beer, go to, uh, Instagram at Shelfy podcast, see the beers that we've been drinking, uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're just so grateful for all our listeners and Matt, I'm very grateful for you and the chance that we get to do this. Until next time, I'm Jeff Martin.
1: And I'm Matt Prince.
0: Cheers.